0: John Gibson did anything, I mean literally anything, to try to win that game for the Ducks. There was just not enough run support. John Gibson was incredible, probably his best game of the season, or at least the best game in a few months. We'll talk about all of that on today's Locked on Ducks. Let's hit the music. You're Locked on Ducks. Your daily podcast on the Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everyone, to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jason J.D. Hernandez, covering hockey for over a decade. Thank you for making this your first listen of the day. And hey, you know what? This podcast is free and available across all platforms. And don't forget that this is a daily podcast, Monday through Friday, covering the OC's favorite hockey team, the Anaheim Ducks. That's what we're all about here. And let's talk about what happened on last night's game. On the docket today, we're going to recap and talk about last night's game, talk about John Gibson a little bit. And also, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the official news that went down before last night's game, that Dallas Eakins has got his option Renewed. He'll be back for another season. I'll talk much more about that and have more concise thoughts about that later on in this podcast. But first, let's talk about the game that happened in Florida, shall we? This was a game that I'll admit a lot of people did not have the Ducks winning. In fact, a lot of us thought it was going to be a high scoring game. I thought it would be high scoring. The betters thought it'd be high scoring. Yeah, I know that Armando from Locked on Panthers. We talked about predictions and that it was going to be a high-scoring game. And boy, were we wrong. We were dead wrong on this one. I don't think either of us expected a stellar performance from John Gibson. The all-star for this season definitely played like one and arguably his best game of the season. But I would say, no, I think it's his second best game of the season. I'll, I'll talk about that shortly. The game that was, yeah, guess who scored right away on a tic-tac-toe goal? None other than Troy Vetchkin. That's right. Troy Terry got things started in the first period on a nice tic-tac-toe. It was Derek Grant from behind his own net passing into Trevor Zegras, who zipped it right across the crease to Troy Terry, his 33rd goal of the season. Troy Terry is leading all Anaheim Ducks in scoring this season. He has just been tremendous all year long, playing like the all-star that he is. That made it 1-0 early on. And then it was Anthony Duclair's score making it 1-1. to And then guess who scored after that? The Elite 1C off of a deflection. Derek Grant scored his 14th of the season. Would you believe that that's time for a career high in goals per season? Yeah, Derek Grant has 14 goals. He's also matched a career high in a season for points. Derek Grant currently has 26 points. Actually, that is a career high. His career high was 25 points split between Anaheim and Philadelphia. This was back in 2020. So Derek Grant now has a career high in points. He's almost got a career high in goals. Almost. He's won away. Nonetheless... That gave the Ducks a 2-1 lead. And you thought for a split second, hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe they can pull this off. Just maybe the Ducks can steal a game in Florida. that That's what I thought would happen. They had a chance. And then Anaheim did what they did in the first period, which was hardly shoot the puck. They were outshot in the first period 17-4. They were outshot in the second period 17 20 to 15. So they were being outshot 37 to 19 after two periods. After three periods, the Ducks were being outshot 50, five, zero, to 23. And you know what happened in the third period? You know what the Ducks did again? They blew a lead. Again. Yeah. Tell me if you've heard this before. Ducks have a one-goal lead. Going into the third period, something happens right around that time. Actually, you know what happens around that time? There was a benching going on. Yeah, I will devote a couple minutes to that in in a little bit. Third period, Anthony Duclair scored his second of the game. That tied things up at two on the power play because, of course, Florida scores on their power play. Overtime, Jonathan Huberto scored the game winner off his own rebound. was your final score. So, here's my takeaways on this game. My biggest takeaway was that John Gibson willed the Ducks to that point. He made spectacular save after spectacular save. And to be honest, I thought he would get the win. Once it went to overtime, I thought, oh, they're going to get the win now because John Gibson is standing on top of his head. And there was, I counted at least... Six or seven goals where I thought these are highlight real goals. You could hang this on the Louvre. That's how good those saves were. Yeah, there was a moment where I said, like, how the hell did that stay out? Jonathan Huberto had a grade A chance. Sean Bennett. Bennett had a grade A chance. I can't believe that didn't go in. And then John Gibson had this show show the puck to the opponents, or as I like to call it, I like to call it an FU save. He said, talk to the glove, but that was definitely an FU save where he showed off the puck and said, oh, this, this in my hands? Yeah, you know what? I'm going to show you the puck and I'm going to show you right to your face. Yeah, I saved that punk. Yeah, FU. Johnny, he really said that. Then it went to overtime. Then there was the holy crap moment in overtime. My God, my goodness. That save, you could definitely hang on the Louvre. I I was just impressed with that overtime in general. Because there was just just great shots. Sam Bennett. He had that great wrist shot that was saved by John Gibson. That one was good. Then you had that Claude Giroux shot that I thought was going to go in. Claude Giroux from the high slot. That one looked like it was going to go in. Then the Anthony Duclair. Trying to wrap around... The goal. So Anthony Anthony Duclair went from behind his net, and this was after Sam Reinhardt caused a turnover. Anthony Duclair tried to go around the net, and there was a slight bit of daylight. And then there was John Gibson moving to his left and stopping Anthony Duclair in his tracks. And I think that was the play where John Gibson kind of went down a little bit, kind of went down saying like, "Ooh, he he may have tweaked something." Because even on the TV side, they were saying that John Gibson was slow to get up. 15 seconds later, off of yet another turnover, Jonathan Huberto shot it towards John Gibson. Gibby saved the first one, but he could not stop the second one. So Gibby really tried his best to will his team to a victory, and he just could not do it. I think he just got tired there. You know, he tried and tried and tried. Got save after save after save. There's only so much you can do when you see that many shots in front of you. The Ducks allowed 55 shots. Let me repeat that. 55 shots against the Florida Panthers. If you're going to allow 55 shots, chances are you're going to lose. Chances are you're not going to get a point out of this. But hey, you know what? They stole a point. More accurately... John Gibson stole a point. That was his his game. That was his game. He deserved better. He should have won that game. I, I bet he's got the taser going because, man, the Ducks could have done so much better. You know what else could have helped? It also could have helped to have the kids play. I, I say on here all the time, let the kids play. Well, there was a little thing that happened in the middle of the game that I'm actually going to talk about on the second part of this program because we're kind of running up against it. So coming up after the first admission, yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit of, not nonsense, but something that happened. But first, let's talk about HelloFresh, which is where you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. That's right. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit that makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. So HelloFresh's chefs really know how to diversify the menu with seasonal recipes like salmon, lemon, and pasta primavera. That sounds really good. Pick your favorites from 50 different weekly options and skip weeks when you need to. Change your delivery date or update your preferences all in the HelloFresh app. And I've tried it. It's delicious. I'm someone that's on the go all the time. I'm someone that likes to eat healthy. So HelloFresh is definitely right up my alley. So if you want to try it for yourself, go to HelloFresh.com slash LockedOn16 and use the code LockedOn16 for up to 16 free meals and 3 free gifts. Once again, HelloFresh.com slash LOCKEDON16, use code LOCKEDON16 for up to 16 free meals and 3 free gifts. Once again, that is HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Coming up after the first intermission, we're going to talk about Eakins benching Zegras again. Yeah, it happens again. We're going to get to that on the other side. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're locked in with Jason J.D. Hernandez, and we're going to talk about Dallas Eakins' coaching stylings once again because this has cropped up again this season. I I thought we were done with the questionable lines. I thought we were done with some of these weird in-game decisions. Well, just because Trevor Ziegris had one bad play, that doesn't mean you got to punish him for the rest of the period. Well, that's exactly what happened, and you know what? He he looks pretty pissed. He looked pretty ticked on the bench at the end of the second period. The last eight minutes, Trevor Zegers did not see any time on the ice. Yeah, he was benched again. Seriously, this is this is what this is game number seventy four. For the Anaheim Ducks, 75 rather. Dallas Eakins was doing this last season, where he would bench Zgress for an entire half of a game. Even the end of last season, there was whole periods when he was getting benched. Even earlier this season. Yes, this season. He was still getting benched. He got healthy scratched this year. So what the heck? What gives? Last eight minutes of the second period, Trevor Zegers was benched. So you had Adam Henrique move up with Derek Grant and Troy Terry. And then Max Comtois, he moved up with Ryan Getzloff and Jerry Mayhew, who, by the way, I thought Mayhew had a pretty decent game, and Getzloff, he had a solid enough game to keep the passing going, but to see those two lines kind of shift around. I don't know what kind of message that Dallas Eakins was trying to send there, but... I don't know if it worked. I honestly, I mean, it could have worked because it was around that time that Zgris got benched that Derek Grant did score his 14th of the season. So that's when you had that different looking line. And by the way, Jamie Drysdale, Apple on that one. So maybe, maybe there is something there. Does Dallas Eakins know what he's doing? Perhaps he read that one right by shifting lines and Grant scored. So maybe it worked. But after that, at least put him back on towards the end of the second period. That way he doesn't look all ticked off going into the locker room. Nope. Didn't happen. Last eight minutes. No Trevor egress. Here we go again. There are seven games left in the season. Dallas Eakins is going to be coming back. I, I don't know if we're going to see more of this or not. But it's it's discouraging. That's the word I want to use. It is discouraging when you have a coach that doesn't utilize the full potential of Trevor Zegers. And I, I do not want him to regress. I do not want that at all. I think Trevor Zegers is one of the most talented players out there, but Dallas Eakins, he he's gotta be careful. He's gotta be really careful with how he develops Trevor Zegers and he does not want to stunt his growth at all. So he's just gotta be careful moving forward. There are seven games left. Let's not do anything to discourage the dude. All right. All right. Now that I got that out of my chest, let's go back to John Gibson because I have been wanting to say this the whole time. John Gibson in that game, according to hockey stack cards, one of his best games of the season. So the expected goals against for this game was 5.32 and he allowed three goals. According to Hockey Stack Cards, his game score was about 2.9. That many shots. Was that his best game of the season? Not exactly. According to game scores, there were two games that beat that. One that took place January 21st against the Tampa Bay Lightning and the game against the Ottawa Senators on January 29th. So let's talk about both of those games very quickly. The game on the 21st, the Ducks allowed 33 shots. It was 35-33 shots. The Ducks destroyed the Tampa Bay Lightning. If you recall, that was the game where Corey Perry made his return to the Ponda as a player. Not someone suspended, but as a player, he came back. And Tampa Bay just got destroyed in that game. That was the part of the season where the Ducks were just on, they were rolling. This was right before the All-Star break, and that was one of their better efforts of the season. Then we go to the game on January 29th, which I personally think was John Gibson's best game of the season. That, that was the game where he single-handedly got the Ducks the win. The expected goals against was 4.29. You know how many goals he allowed? One. Just one. And the Ducks did just enough in that game. They scored two goals in that game. Ricard Raquel got the goal. And Troy Terry got the goal on that one as well. So, yeah, two very important goals on this one. That's all they need. The only, the only minus on that one was Tyler Ennis's goal for Ottawa. That was it. Otherwise, John Gibson was spectacular. The shots on goal in that game, if you remember this, shots were <clears throat> forty-five to twenty. Mm-hmm. Let me repeat that: forty-five to twenty in favor of Ottawa. The Ducks were out attempted on that game, seventy-four to thirty-eight. You think the ice was tilted one way? I- Uh, Yeah, I think so. You think the expected goals were going to be high? Uh, Yes, very much. Did John Gibson stand on his head that game? You bet your ass he did. He absolutely stood up for the Ducks in that game. That was one of their best efforts. I mean, that was one of his, not the team's, his best effort of the season. And at the time, at the time, That was one of the biggest wins of the season because that was towards the end of their long road trip right before the All-Star break. And at the time, at the time of that win, the Ducks were right in the thick of the playoff hunt. And that was the moment where I said, hey, you know what? They got that big win against Ottawa. Maybe they could finish off this road trip at Detroit and go into the All-Star break on a positive note. And they went into that break on a good note, at least. And that I, that, I think, was the game that said, hey, this team has a chance. And that was all because of John Gibson. So that, I think, was Gibby's best game of the season. But this one ranks up there. This one's number two. The reason, The only reason I put this game last night behind the one in January was because last night, the Ducks were already eliminated. This one has no bearing on any possibility of a playoff. The only reason some people might say this was the best game of the season was because it was against one of the best teams in the National Hockey League in the Florida Panthers. And I I will agree to that sense. In that sense, it's impressive. I would say last night's game was more impressive for John Gibson because of the way he handled the Panthers. But I think his best game and the more important game was the one that took place in late January because at the time, there was a little bit of hope. There was still hope. I I read all your tweets that week right before the All-Star break. Y'all were positive. You were super hopeful around that time. John Gibson had you guys believing that this team could possibly make a push to the playoffs. So that one, I think, was better and more important. But I'm not going to diminish at all. What John Gibson did last night that was his to me, that was his second best game of the season. That one is right up there with all the hits. That is our all star. That is the kind of caliber goaltender that we love to see. So, John Gibson, you just earned yourself a humongous stake in Florida. I hope he gets that humongous stake. Um, the one kind of negative, and this is kind of unfortunate. Three goals allowed. That unfortunately means that John Gibson now has 19 consecutive games where he's allowed three goals or more. His record post-All-Star break is now 2-14-3. Ah, that is unfortunate. That's just an unfortunate stat. 2-14-3, but I still want to see Gibby start the next game. I want to see Gibson start at Tampa Bay. And I want to see the whole fanfare with Gibby and Getzley and Pears. That'll be a treat to watch, folks. All right. We are going to head into the second intermission. But first, let's talk about Built Bar, everyone's favorite protein bar, which comes in 18 fantastic flavors covered in a chocolate fondue. And not only are the Built Bars delicious and healthy for you, but so are their Built Puffs. And I cannot say this enough but the churro puff is my favorite one. I think it is the best built product out there and also the built boosts. They are terrific as well. So if you want to try these for yourself, head over to built.com right now and use promo code locked 15 to get 15% off your next order. Once again, that's built.com and promo code locked 15 built is the best tasting protein bar ever. After the second intermission, we're going to talk a little bit about the option being exercised on Dallas Eakins' contract. Stay locked in. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're locked in with JD Hernandez on this Wednesday edition of the podcast, and. We went a little bit over, actually a lot over, on the previous two segments. So I will keep this segment a little bit short. I will have some thoughts on the Dallas Eakins extension. Not even an extension, it's just the option. And then we'll wrap up for the day. So as was officially, officially reported yesterday by the Anaheim Ducks, the fourth-year option on Dallas Eakins' contract has been picked up. So that means that Eakins will be back for... One more season, probably probably just the one more season. I will be honest, I did not think the Ducks were going to pick it up. I thought he was going to be done after this season. The general consensus was that he would be done at the end of this season. Several media people, they they thought he'd be done. I mean, I would say 99% of Ducks fans, of media members, we thought the Ducks would be looking for a new coach this summer, but that is not to be. The option got picked up. How we all feel about this? Well, judging by everyone's response, at first it was disgust. Then it was... I mean, at first it was shock. Then it was disgust. I think we're at that stage of grief. Can I even call this a stage of grief? But I'm at that stage now where I'm just on acceptance. I've accepted that this is where the Ducks are going. And I don't know if this is the right, exact right move for Pat Verbeek, but I understand where he's coming from. I understand that the Ducks are not in a position right now to compete, especially having given up players like Josh Manson, like Ricard Raquel, like Hempus Lindholm. To a lesser extent, DeLaurier. Losing those four guys is pretty key for the Ducks. Lindholm did sign that extension with the Bruins, so there's no chance of him coming back. There is still the possibility that Manson could come back off of free agency. There is still the decent probability that Ricard Raquel could come back because his time in Pittsburgh is going okay right now. I would say Raquel's time in Pittsburgh is is going about as well as Derek Grant's time in Pittsburgh. He's had some good moments. He's looked good at times, but the team is not doing as well as they would have hoped right now. Pittsburgh is right now sitting on that third spot. I, I don't know if they can make it past the first round at this point. The New York Rangers, despite them losing yesterday. They look like they're firing on several cylinders. And this could be the year that the Rangers could win a round. And if they're going to do it, they would do it against the Penguins. If the Pens do get an early exit, then two things are going to happen. One, the Pens are going to have to reevaluate their roster. Two, that'll improve the Ducks draft position since they got that pick. Same with the Bruins, by the way. The Bruins, they're not a top position in the Eastern Conference. That draft pick could get better. So I think what Pat Verbeek is doing is he's reassessing where the Ducks are going to be in the future. He's also assessing where those draft picks are going to fall this coming summer. He also has to assess where those draft picks could possibly be next summer as well. And the 2023 draft is looking like it's going to be an even better one than 2022. So when you look at the quote unquote, the tank, you have to think to yourselves, Do we want to be in a position where the Ducks are just going to continually fall flat on their faces again and again and again? Or as we saw this season, like, let's at least give the fans a little bit of hope. Give them something to look forward to. The first half of this season was definitely something to look forward to. And I'll admit, it had the Ducks fans believing that they could possibly at least make the playoffs. I mean, I, I have said this since September, October they're not going to win the Stanley Cup this season. The way they are built right now, they are not ready to win the Stanley Cup. But if they would have made the playoffs, I would have said, you know what? This gives us a lot of hope for the future. A lot of those hopes were dashed after the All-Star break where they've just had an abysmal record post-break. I've mentioned that Gibby's record post-break is 2-14, 2-14-3. Two wins in 19 starts. It It's just not it right now. It's really not. And it's a shame. As far as Eakins is concerned and where he fits in all of this, this is his team right now. Despite Dallas Eakins' many, many shortcomings as far as managing a bench and trying to keep his team in focus, there's a lot of questions there. There was even questions last night as to... Dallas Eakins pulling Trevor Zegris. There was several questions last year when Zegris was pulled in the third period of his first game. There was a plethora of questions when the Ducks lost nine consecutive games. Those questions came back when the Ducks lost 11 consecutive games this season. So what's it going to take? There was still questions as to the deployment of the goaltending. There's been questions as to the deployment of the lines. There were questions earlier this season when Trevor Zegers got healthy scratched? Lots of questions. And those are questions that are going to continue to follow him into this summer and into next season. So I don't think this is as much of a show me contract as it is a, this is where the ducks are. They're not ready yet. And they're probably not going to be ready next season either. So in a way, it sort of feels like Dallas Eakins is kind of a lame duck coach they exercise the option on the contract one more season they're probably not going to make the playoffs next season I mean let's let's be completely real here they might not make the playoffs next season as well and Dallas Eakins is just going to be around to at least hold down the fort that's where I that's where I say this he's holding down the fort now he is a terrific guy. In, as far as the AHL goes. He earned a lot of respect from everyone around the American Hockey League and the Ducks took notice. So when they brought him on, they were hoping that he would lead them to at least some more success over three seasons. That was the original plan, was three seasons. That did not come to fruition. And now that next season their rebuild is continuing, we have to see what Eakins does. But one other thing that I want to point out There's other questions about Dallas Eakins as far as locker room. We heard the report last month from Eric Stevens that there was a little bit of infighting in the locker room, including between Vinny and Trevor Zegras. And you do not want that in the locker room where you have players fighting each other. You do not want that. So that's also still a point of concern. But, you know, this this is what it is. This is what's happening with the Ducks, and it might be like this for another couple seasons. It, it just might. So at this point, I've just come to accept it and wish the Ducks nothing but luck and wish Dallas Eakins luck in at least trying to hold down the fort for next season and at least give the fans something to look forward to and give them some reason for hope. So, all right, that's where I am on all of this. I mean, I'm going to talk about Dallas Eakins much more this month, over the summer, this will be a continuing topic of discussion. All right, that'll do it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is free and available across all platforms, including Stitcher, Spotify, Odyssey, etc. You could follow me on Twitter at StimpyJD. The show's Twitter is at lo underscore ducks. What else? What else? Oh yeah. Don't forget to make this your first listen of the day. Go ahead and make locked on NHL your second listen of the day. Today is Western Conference Wednesday, featuring Jess Balmasto and Sarah Avampado, where they talk at length a little bit about the ducks. So why not give them a listen make that your second listen of the day once again thank you so much for your continued support it is greatly appreciated for locked on anaheim ducks i'm jd hernandez saying have a great rest of the day please continue to be safe out there be kind to one another and ducks fly together